Well, you've heard over and over on this podcast that the gig economy is the future. Yet when it comes to aid, gig workers, like many Americans, largely left behind by programs. We'll talk today to a guy who works with lots of these solopreneurs, George Kurtica from Joust, and talk about how you can maybe help your gig work go better on today's Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast, coming to you live from a mom's half-finished basement just outside Detroit, Michigan. I'm Joe Salcihai. Hey, and I'm George Critica from the southwest corner of my apartment in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> this is the podcast, oddly specific, this is the oddly specific podcast where we cover recent stories ripped from the financial press. Uh, today's coming to us from Bloomberg. Uh, uh, not only do we read them like some podcasts, but we dive into how these affect your wallet and what you can do to invest, save, and pay down debt more effectively. And if that's not enough, we'll also share a big idea at the end of today's show that could uh, help you be better with money. The rest of your day and all usually in less than 20 minutes. Big thanks to Policy Genius for supporting Money with Friends. Even if you look back on your triple denim G days in distress, you'll never be distressed about home insurance with Policy Genius. In just a few minutes, you can find your best price and apply at policygenius.com. We all get things wrong from time to time. At least we can get home insurance right with Policy Genius. Well, one thing that has gone wrong for a lot of people is this whole outbreak. A lot of people didn't, obviously, ill-prepared for it. And uh, George Kurtica is here with us from Joust to help. Man, thanks for coming back for a second day. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Um, you know, I wish it was under better circumstances, but then we would have nothing to talk about. I know, right? <laughs> it's Well, it is good circumstances because you have the door closed and the kids are in the next room. And for me, that's always for was... Now. That, right? <laughs> that was always good, good circumstances. Yeah. Have you had that happen yet? Like the guy in uh, Great Britain that had the kids bust in in the middle of something? No, fortunate enough not to. Well, once or twice during, um, you know, we try to do a team um, happy hour now on Zoom, call it quarantini. Yes. And uh, and so the kids will see that I'm obviously not working and they'll come by and say hi to the, you know, the rest of the team. That's <laughs> awesome. I've watched a couple of uh, of our friends doing Facebook Lives and one guy, a financial planner in, in Ventura, California, was in the middle of one and his son ran up and was not going to leave him alone until he got some juice. So he had to say, I got to get some juice. I'll be back. <laughs> Went and got some juice and, and came back. Well, today we're going to talk about some Somebody, a group of people, George, near and dear to you, your heart. With Joust, you work with a bunch of gig, gig economy workers. Uh, talk about what you guys do specifically. Yeah, we're um, a business banking account toolkit for the solopreneur or independent contractor. So we uh, give you in one mobile app, one easy two-minute onboarding, a bank account, uh, a, an invoicing tool to send invoices, a debit card, and uh, a unique uh, product we call Pay Armor, which is uh, it sort of feels like invoice uh, guarantee, like travel insurance. Uh, you know, we use risk management in order to get you paid. Uh, and, and we look at the sort of the trust and relationships you build on the platform in order to give you that money ahead of time. So we're sort of giving you an advance on your invoices. Boy, and it's a time when I'm, I'm sure a lot of people, especially in the gig economy, want to make sure that they, they can get paid or that they have the ability to maybe have some money fronted if they're not being paid. So what a service today. And in fact, we're going to talk about a lot of relief efforts out there for people, freelancers, self-employed, and also maybe for you. So let's see which one of our friends are going to help us kick off today's show. This is Bethany from the Money Millhouse. 
Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, it's time for our headlines. All right, today's piece comes to us from Bloomberg Business Week, and it's written by Nick Lieber. The piece is titled Relief Funds and Limbo for Freelancers and Self-Employed. Uh, George, you want to do the honors? I would love to. Um, so if you're one of the millions of people in the U.S. who work for themselves and you're not getting enough work because of the pandemic, relief money is available. At least it's supposed to be. Unemployment benefits were extended to you, whether you call yourself self-employed, freelancer, sole proprietor, independent contractor, or gig worker, uh, as part of the $2.2 trillion coronavirus relief package. Here's a third uh, explainer about how it's supposed to work. Um, so the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Plan and the Federal Pandemic Unemployment Compensation Plan. So those two things, right? So you're supposedly eligible for the Paycheck Protection Program and the COVID-19 Economic Inju Injury Disaster Loan Program. Wow, a lot of, a lot of acronyms. There. E -I -D -L. So, uh, but the self-employed haven't had much luck receiving these new benefits. The SBA's PPP loans, which are distributed by banks, are already spent. Grants and loans from COVID-19, uh, the EIDL, uh, which is the Disaster Loan Program, another SBA program, have also dried up. Um, so Rafael Espina, um, who's someone we know, is the head of Freelancers Union, which is an advocacy group. They have about half a million members. They haven't heard of any members uh, who received unemployment benefits since the legislation was passed. So he says, uh, for the first time in history, freelancers can qualify for unemployment insurance, but he can't point to one freelancer who can say they've received their first wow. unemployment check. Wow. Yeah, that's massive. So um, uh, Katie Velestra, Vice President for Government Relations and Public Affairs for the National Association for the Self-Employed. This is a group that has 175,000 members. They say many ind individuals who haven't been able to get support have been closing their businesses. This is a demographic that's underrepresented and underreported, she says, uh, or, or says Bridget Weston, the acting chief executive officer of SCORE, which is a nonprofit that has 300,000 clients and 10,000 volunteer mentors. So we're talking like a million people at this point. Yeah. Uh, she urges additional support and resources. Um, so the state of limbo poses problems for both vulnerable individuals who are trying to put food on the table and for the economy's recovery prospects. Last year, 56.7 million Americans freelanced, uh, according to the Freelancers Union. A popular image of the gig economy is a realm of Uber drivers and task rabbit contractors misses a broad trend. Bloomberg News explained in this revealing article that uh, companies in recent decades have increasingly turned to consultants, contractors, and temporary workers for everything from maintenance and janitorial work to logistics, or even human resources management. So this crisis is a huge reminder that our safety nets are not set up for the workforce changes that are underway. Millions of self-employed all face the same challenge, getting cash flow and good information as programs change in real time. And uh, we're going to talk about some tips uh, on what to do while you're waiting for your benefits. Yeah, they have a bunch here. And to get into these, George, before we start, one of my favorite uh, management gurus is a guy who, who you may or may not know named Tom Peters. And I remember Tom in the late 1990s talking about brand you. And at that time, it, it, was, it was this wow thing that, listen this 30 years working for the same company is over and now you have to start thinking of yourself as a brand. Now I feel like we all largely live in that world. At least I do. Um, and I know you do, uh, where you are your own brand. And, and I remember even in the early two thousands, we went to the time when people would work for maybe three companies instead of one. Now I think we're up to either five or seven. I can't remember, but, but, but we're up to people during their career going to work with a lot of different places. And yet I feel like, reading this article, 
the one group of people who got left out are the people who are on the tip of that spear, the people who really are living that gig economy that's going to be even more prevalent 10 years from now than it is today. Yeah, that's a big part of our company's thesis and why we started Just. The labor economics have have shifted. Um, like you said, people aren't working for companies for 30 years now. And uh, unfortunately, the uh, American policy hasn't caught up. Uh, and so, you know, your job is a large part of who you are, uh, how you get your health care, your benefits, uh, your retirement fund, in most cases, pensions, if even, they even still give those out. Um, and so, uh, yeah, labor economics shift. People have embraced this new economy. And hey, these employers have also embraced hiring folks for this new economy. But at the same time, uh, they're not getting the assistance or the help that they need in terms of funding, loans, healthcare, you know, education, all of these, these grants and opportunities. Um, you know, we've talked about all these nonprofits that, that are out there looking out for uh, the future of work, but we haven't seen major policy changes uh, that, that have been able to keep up with that future of work. Well, and as we as we go through these, and even before we go through these, I wonder if there's some lessons that we can all learn, whether you're in the gig economy or not. Like one lesson, obviously, I think that a lot of people learned is that like even United Airlines might have learned this one, maybe keeping some cash on hand and not investing every dollar in the business right now is a fantastic idea. Yeah, I'd say that's uh, that's probably, I guess, in hindsight, you're learning that lesson hard, uh, you know, the hard way. Yeah. But uh, certainly, I think uh, it, it, hoping that you're going to get bailed out is probably not a good way to also <laughs> run your business. Um, you know, I, I think it maybe it works for for big banks, but. Listen, I think at the end of the day, yeah, uh, it's probably not always good to do dividends or, or, or buybacks. Um, if you're a large company, if you're a small company, yeah, it's probably really good to have a couple of months uh, payroll, salary, you know, on hand, maybe put off that big investment, uh, it, you know, that big capital expenditure because these things can happen, right? Like the, the unknowns can happen. Um, you know, no one expected uh, 2008 global financial crisis and how quick that happened. And no one expected how quick uh, coronavirus was going to cripple the world economy. So uh, two to three months probably would help, uh, you know, in this in this scenario. Uh, the, the, the second thing I think is, you, you know, I don't know if you've seen this, the math on driving for Uber or Lyft and the huge number of people that do it. I think a lot of people entering the gig economy are ill-prepared for the math that they need to do because the math, I think, is a self-employed person with no benefits and you got to recreate those benefits yourself. Way different because I think if a lot of people knew math, George, they wouldn't drive for Uber or Lyft. No, definitely not. Um, you know, Uber and Lyft are, do a good job of making money for Uber and Lyft. And uh, unfortunately, they're doing it on the backs of uh, a very cheap workforce. Uh, sure, there's surge pricing and, and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you're not getting all of these protections that you used to have at your former employer, right? So like HR, payroll, um, insurance, uh, and now you're putting wear and tear on a, on a, on a vehicle, which has a, is a depreciating asset nonetheless. This large hunk of metal, uh, repairs, you know, tires, all these things um, that people probably aren't taking into account when they say, "I'm going to go make a lot of money uh, on Uber." Uh, and so, probably, you know, I think you have to drive something like you know, a hundred hours a week in order to even you know, become profitable. Yeah, Uber, depending on what market you're in, and that's just crazy, that's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and I wanted to ask you personally too, as an entrepreneur, if there was either any lesson or thing that you did as you became an entrepreneur or transitioning from from 
bigger banking over to the entrepreneur side? Or was there classes you took in college or a curriculum that really helped or something you think as somebody who's listening that isn't in the gig economy yet, but they're listening to this thinking probably headed that way at some point that would help them on their way? Yeah. Um, you know, some basic things like I made sure I rolled all of my um, old employers 401ks over to an IRA and made sure I maxed out, maxed those out as, you know, as, as much as possible before, uh, you know, I made the leap into entrepreneurship. Right. I think there's some basic things there that you can do that, that you know, will like will add up to, I think, you know, some savings over time and simplify your life. I think that's the hard thing is, is becoming an entrepreneur is you have so many things to worry about, like not only yourself, your personal health, your mental well-being, employees, uh, making sure all the bills are going to get paid. And and the last thing you want to do is like, oh, did I sign up for health insurance this month? Right. And so really, really difficult, uh, you know, to sort of manage your your business. And, and, and you know, this is one of the reasons why we, we you know, like we realize is like t- 10 plus tools the average sort of freelancer uses in order to just get paid during, you know, the course mm. of, a, of a week. That's like eight hours, nine hours a week, just reconciling between QuickBooks and, you know, PayPal and all these things. And so simplification, simplify your life is, is probably the best advice that I was ever given, right? Like keeping everything in one place and, you know, you know, maybe downsizing a little bit, not investing, like not driving the newest car all the time. You know, these are all the things that, um, you know, sort of, I was taught to, you know, a, a, a in life in order to sort of prepare myself, not knowing that I was going to become, you know, sort of a, an entrepreneur. It's just, I think I, you know, I had all those things done. So I was like, Oh, I think I can do this. Right. I think I can go on this, on this journey. Cause it is a journey. It's not, yeah, it's yeah. not a get rich quick scheme. It's, it's funny you say that. I remember when I owned a little DJ company at the end of high school, early college, and I was doing a dance and at this, um, uh, wedding rental facility, you know, that dot the landscape of every town in America. And I'm talking to this guy about how I was going to purchase a, uh, a separate building in an office to house all my stuff. And, and when I did that, uh, when I told him about this office space, I was going to have, he's like, I, I would stay in your mom's basement. I would totally, he's like, keep overhead low. And man, if there was one lesson that I could have, that was a lesson that, um, that uh, uh, has paid dividends is keep overhead low. Yeah, I would say <laughs> keep overhead low is massively important. If you could live at home and reduce your, um, oh, see, there's the uh, we got there's it the demand. I got the demand letter. Uh, so yeah, keep costs low, and I'm going to go take care of that for a second. I'll be right back. Deal, absolutely, and I'll keep going there. Uh, so I'm going to go through, start going through these spots while George goes. It's it's always awesome when we're doing this with the family at home. Uh, number one here on the list is acknowledge and take steps to control the anxiety you're feeling. And by the way, whether you're in the gig economy or not, we're all feeling a certain degree of anxiety. Free help is available, they say. Try calling your local small business development center office for counseling. Consider getting a mentor through SCORE. You can be paired with one or more mentors and speak with them on a phone or by video, says Weston. Since the virus broke out in the U.S., new requests for mentors are up 20 to 30%. I've found, George, uh, uh, especially if you in the gig economy, but no matter who you are, talking to somebody older than you who's been through this before is a big part of winning. Oh, don't have you yet. There There we go. Hey, I'm back. (laughs) Hey, so it is. um, Funny enough, though, I think millennials have been through three economic uh, disasters. So uh, (laughs) at this point, so uh, potentially they might have learned some lessons too. But yeah, absolutely. I do think that, um, 
listen, talking to mentors. Mentorship is a huge part of becoming an entrepreneur. Um, I just actually talked to a friend of mine who reached out saying, you know, hey, I know it seems like a really, you know, weird time to start a company, but you know, I'm going to do it. And can I get your advice on, you know, in, you know, how to reach out to investors or whatever it is. And I said, Oh, I'd love to pass that information on because I went through, you know, a program, uh, you know, mentorship, uh, in order to sort of, uh, you know, begin my journey and, and it really helped. And so I would, I would highly, highly, highly recommend you'd be surprised the, the amount of people that are willing to help, uh, you know, lend an ear, lend some advice. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's a wonderful opportunity to, uh, to, to help you get, get, get going on your uh, entrepreneurial career. I love it. I have a coaching call next week with my coach next Monday, and I'm so excited about it. And, uh, on the other side, I'm helping two podcasters right now, start new podcasts. And, uh, I, you know, you look at, you look at, uh, uh, the downturns in the 1990s in IBM, it's all a bunch of old IBM execs that when you look at the, you know, the, the basis of a lot of the big tech companies that came about in the early 2000s, it was yeah. IBM separating that really created all that. So this could be a great time of creativity out there. Yeah. Uh, same with uh, 2008, right? All That's these right. bankers and folks in New York lost their job and a lot of fintech, financial technology uh, started in New York. Uh, the the sharing economy, Uber, Airbnb, Lyft, also started out of that. Um, people were like, "Hey, I need some extra income. I'll maybe rent a room out of my home." Uh, so yeah, uh, I do think that there will be uh, something that comes out of this um, calamity, if you will. Um, whether it's uh, a shift to um, you know delivery only sort of culture um, or restaurants where you don't need a footprint, right? You don't need a physical brick and mortar. You could just set up, um, you know, a, a, a commissary uh, and, and just deliver your food right through apps. Um, great way to, you know, sort of start a business with a low overhead. Um, so, you know, think about things like that as, as, as what, you know, as you think about starting a new business. This is an area a lot of people haven't looked at. Number two here is researcher states unemployment benefit requirements guidelines. I've done some studying on this, George, and, and they're different state by state. And you really want to look into what your state has available. I know there's a lot of complaints about what the federal government's doing or a lot of discussion. Just go back to yesterday's podcast. People want to hear about that. But, but, but state guidelines, um, have you seen some of your customers look into state guidelines and what's, what, what's available there? Yeah. Um, so the, you know, Texas, for example, unemployment, um, you know, process is, is slightly different. Uh, you know, I think there's been a lot of press about like people can't get through to file for those claims, but, uh, you know, all, all of the states are sort of getting the additional 600 bucks. I, I believe that the government's supposed to be giving out some require that you, you know, do a job search, you know, two, three jobs a week, some or searches a week, some are waiving that requirement, each each state has a little bit of a different angle on on sort of the programs and the relief that they're providing, um, and so it's really really important. There are some state programs that are out there um, that you can take advantage of. Uh, you know, besides these government um, uh, assistance programs, um, you know, big one is uh, that that's that's not really related to unemployment, but. Um, you know, waivers on getting uh, evicted, right? Like huge, oh, yeah, yeah. huge issues here, right? Like that I think you need to research. Yeah, um, boy. For sure. Uh, uh, number three, number four, don't give up on the PPP and the EIDL. I'll have people go back to yesterday's podcast, mostly to talk about those. But, but, but just briefly here, my thought when I read these, George, was, well, I don't want to give up on the PPP or the EIDL. It served me very, very well to think I'm not going to wait for the government to create my, my strategy to get out of this. Like, I think I got to be thinking about saving myself before I wait for the government to swoop in. 
Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, even though these PPP loans may ultimately help you, um, it, the, the funding may come in, you know, two or three months from now, which is, uh, you know, you may have already had to make that decision to furlough your employees, your workforce, right? Uh, I think potentially that that is uh, something where or I, I believe, if, as I read the rule right, you're you're able to get that money and give it back to them, right? But yeah. you know, two or three months from now, how good is it going to be? And is, you know, it'll be nice to get it to get that workforce back, um, you know, and get get them going. But it would have been nice to have those funds before you had to let them go. You know? yeah. yeah. Number five: Do anything to stay solvent. Ask for strategies from mentors on cutting business expenses, negotiating with landlords, and talking with insurers. Says West, and she also suggests learning about the tax implication of losses. Thoughts about that? Yeah, you know, um, I uh, our company went through TechStars, a fantastic mentorship uh, venture accelerator, and I met a really cool founder. I uh, can't tell you his name because we keep the circle of trust. You know, it's important. <laughs> but he told us a great story about how his father, you know, was an immigrant, and he taught him from a young age. You know, they owned a dry cleaning shop uh, to to call your creditors and then beg for for you know like for for extra time to pay your loans. And like he saw that, and that really influenced him and helped him. You know, do the same thing when you're going through a rough patch. Just pick up the phone and call. A lot of these agencies, credit card companies, they will forgive you one, two months. Mortgage companies, same thing. Um, it's important that that everyone knows that th- those are you know options. Uh, you should really try it. It's you know it goes back to what we were saying about relationships in, in yesterday's episode. Like try and build those and, and just be nice. Sometimes killing people with kindness really helps. Uh, try anything, you know, <laughs> I think that's the way, that's the way to do it. Isn't that fun? I mean, being nice completely, I can't tell you the number of times where I followed somebody that was yelling at a worker and I was nice to them and I got huge service compared to the person in front of me. Number six, uh, seek relief grants from nonprofits and businesses. This is an area people don't think about. Heck, I was listening uh, yesterday to a Disney podcast and there was a Disney podcaster who was saying, listen, this isn't anything big, but my wife and I want to give a little bit to, to uh, uh, cast members at Disney who are out of work that work at the park. So if you, if you show my wife and I that you work at the park, we were, we've set some money aside and we want to give it, this is a podcast giving money. I'm like, I'm a podcaster. We don't have any money. So good, <laughs> good, good for them. But, but, but look at your community, George, cause there might be thing. In fact, they reference the freelancers union, which is yeah. an organization you know about. Yeah, you know, we partnered with the Freelancers Union early on when we started Joust because, uh, you know, it, it is an organization that empowers and, and advocates for freelancers. And uh, they were a big um, reason why the New York uh, state was able to pass this uh, uh, freelancer protection bill. Basically, if, you know, the work gets done uh, and, and someone stiffs you on it, you could seek recourse. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a big thing that, uh, that, you know, the freelancers don't have protection for non-payment and uh, they were a big advocate to get that done. So Freelancers Union is definitely an organization, if you are a freelancer, that I would look into. Um, they have a lot of great policies and advocacy that they do. And, and there are other organizations like that that do help as well. Yeah, I just think about whatever community you're in, look to your community. And that's a big one for freelancers. Number seven here, advocate for yourself and for others. And I don't know if if you've done this. First of all, George, I love the idea of advocating for others because number one, it takes me out of my own head and, and makes me realize that there's a bigger community out here that needs help. And I've got thing ways that I can help out others. And that, that definitely helps you get through it. But number two, uh, I rarely write to my Congress people 
And, and yet for this one, I did, and I know listening to a great podcast, 99% Invisible, about how Rock the Vote worked back in the 90s. I don't know if you remember that. But but, 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 but but Rock the Vote was, you know, this thing where, where REM, the band, really wanted to, uh, wanted to push through on their packaging for their CDs at the time that, that, that uh, you could register to vote that way. And these Congress people that would usually get maybe three phone calls a day, four phone calls a day, uh, which was amazing to me. I had never heard before that how few phone calls Congress people get a day. And now, now I, and, and by the way, they're the same people that complain about everything every day. When they do right. get calls, they're from the same whiners every day. But when they start hearing from people like you and I that they normally don't hear from, they do respond. So, so advocating, I think, is a, is a big thing. But I especially like advocating for other people. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So we um, quickly put a um, uh, payroll protection program qualification calculator together. We we figured out what the mathematical formula was going to be and how much you qualify for, and we threw it up on our page and, and, and created a list. And, and, we, and we went out to a couple of different bank partners and said, hey, guys, we've got a list of hundreds of people that, that need you know, access to these loans. Will you help our, you know, our, our, our user base? Right? And so we were able to get them referred out to a fantastic institution called Cross River Bank in, in, in New Jersey, which is a community bank. Um, and, and they were able, to, I believe, to help uh, you know, a few of, uh, you know, of that list. Obviously, the, the, the bigger issue is the loans got exhausted really quickly. Right. But um, I do think that, um, you know, these smaller community banks were probably more set up to handle it than uh, than the larger financial institutions. And so, yeah, I mean, like we got more press and, and more sort of like just good feels out of doing that. Uh, it, it helped. It made us feel good about being able to help other people. We were just trying to make sure that, you know, freelancers, independent contractors were able to, you know, if they didn't know where to turn to, that we were going to help them find, a, you know, a great resource. I was going to say it also probably helped the team internally, which you said, too. Yeah. yeah. Everybody- Got everyone really fired up to help people. Right. We saw like, you know, a number of email opens that were coming in, the people registering, you know, you know, we were just really, you know, jazzed to get people, um, you know, it's just to help people felt it feels really good. That's that's awesome. Uh, we do this uh, live uh, with a Facebook audience with a bunch of our friends and uh, want to see exactly what what they're what they're talking about. Uh, James was wondering if he was hearing your kids or his. So <laughs> probably both. <laughs> but mine are okay now. Uh, I, I left a, a trail of food out. Uh, on the table, so. <laughs> Sarah, uh, who lives across town from me here in the Detroit area, says, I always wonder if people new to the gig economy have a hard time making their quarterly tax payments. It takes discipline. That's the thing I think people are ill prepared for is becoming an HR expert and a tax expert and having to be an expert in five different things. You have to be able to write advertising copy and by the way you still got to be good at that thing that you are doing you know whatever it might be yeah that thing that you have to do uh which is the reason why you left the the workforce in the first place because you just wanted to focus on that one thing yeah it's 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 hard um and that's what we you know that's what we've learned is that it's um you know people don't want they're not a tax expert or an accountant uh and but they want to simplify you know their their life which is why we sort of created you know joust to help with at least banking and payments and invoicing all in one right the next steps we're starting to take are how do we incorporate the automatic tax savings right so we could you could save that money aside and so when it comes time you already have it in a savings account you just press the button and just click pay um i think that's um you know that's something that uh you know is, is 
is sorely needed. It's just do it for me, right? Automation. Yeah. Your finances on automation, I think, is 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 where we want to help. I was going to say that too. While I agree with Sarah to some degree, uh, uh, having systems in place, right, that make it so you don't have to be as disciplined makes it makes it really easy. And uh, and then let's end with this one from Lisa because because this is this is great. My 21 year old delivered for DoorDash yesterday, made seventy nine dollars in an hour and a half. Did this because his internship was halted this summer. Stinks that the internship's halted. I also worry about uh, you know anybody who's out there, you know, yeah. going door to door with people. But there's money to be made. There is money to be made. I think um, we talked about this last time. There's so many people hiring now, uh, delivery drivers, these frontline workers, right? People at the grocery store, my local, you know, grocery stores are hiring like bananas and it's, um, it's crazy. And I think, uh, listen, as long as they're staying safe, uh, I think that's, that's an important thing. Um, you know, making sure that they've got masks and, and that, you know, there's no contact drop-offs and, and whatnot, but yeah, look at that. I mean, 80 bucks in an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I got to go. I'll be right back. I have to go sign up for DoorDash. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Forget about that banking money, George. That's DoorDash yeah, is where it's, it is. Uh, it's foolish. <laughs> hey, in just a minute, we'll have, I just looked at the time. We've had the longest episode ever, but this has been fantastic resource for people. Uh, in just a moment, George and I are going to have our quick takeaway. But before we get to that, I want to talk about uh, Policy Genius. Uh, there are things we each look back on and we think, how did I get that so wrong? Might be wearing multiple polo shirts and popping all the collars. Do you do that, George? Maybe at one time. I grew up in New England after all. <laughs> you you had, it's in the contract. You had to. <laughs> Donating to Coney 2012 or dating that one person at that one time. You know the one. We're always going to get things wrong. That's just life. But there are things we can get right on the first try, like shopping for home insurance. That's where Policy Genius comes in. If you're stuck at home, this is a great time, by the way, to shop for, for homeowners insurance. First, head to policygenius.com. Answer a few quick questions about yourself your property. That's when Policy Genius will compare your policy against options from top insurers to make sure you're getting the right home insurance coverage at the best possible price. They've saved their customers an average of, get this, $690 a year doing just that. You thought that DoorDash deal was good. That's a great hourly rate, $690. If Policy Genius finds you a better rate than what you're currently paying, they'll do all the work to get you switched. Own a car too? Policy Genius will compare your home and auto policies across different insurers and even mix and match to find you savings. So even if you look back on your triple denim days in distress, you'll never be distressed about home insurance with Policy Genius. In just a few minutes, you can find your best price and apply at policygenius.com. We all get things wrong from time to time. At least we can get home insurance right with Policy Genius, policygenius.com. Big thanks to them and a great time to apply. George, I know you got to go. And we've had a we've had a long session here, but what's our takeaway today, my friend? Yeah, I'll keep it short. Right, don't give up. Um, I think uh, that's the the general my general takeaway. We, there's lots of opportunity. Um, it, it may seem like uh, your back's against the wall, but there are programs. There's advocacy. There are mentors. There are people to talk to out there that have been through maybe not a pandemic, but certainly weathered various storms over the over the years. And uh, they're just looking to help. Right. I think people are looking to be helpful in this in this uh, situation. Uh, and, and I'd say do your best to reach out, talk to people, um, you know, try and, and seek forgiveness from from loans and creditors and use the resources that you have available to you 
um, uh, I think that's just going to be the best way to, to get through this situation. Yeah, I like that because I I uh, remember during much better times uh, talking a lot about kids and college scholarships and about how most kids that apply for college scholarships, they apply as freshmen. That's the that's the that's the hardest time to get a scholarship and everybody else is applying. And if you don't get the scholarship that year, you give up. And yet studies show that companies are much more likely to give you a scholarship your junior or senior year other organizations that are professional organizations that want you to enter that professional field, they're much more likely. And the field is small because everybody's given up already. And yet that's when more money's available. And I think a lot of people do that here. They think about, my brother thought about the state first, didn't think about federal aid at all for his business. And then I told him about the PPP, like the rest of us, he didn't get it, but at least he applied. And now hopefully he's in line the next time. But, but also thinking about organizations. I hadn't thought about all these different organizations, these affinity yeah. groups. I mean, lots of help out there all over the place. So I'm with you, George. Don't give up. People want to find you besides here with us the last uh, the last few months. Where can they find you, George? Yeah, joust.com, J-O-U-S-T. Um, and uh, we've got a, a special deal. We're giving some uh, payments credits. Uh, if you use the link try.joust.com slash MWF, uh, download us and we'll give you a, um, you know, free payments processing for, for your invoices. So I think that'll save you some money if you're, if you're, if you're, you know, the average freelancer and sending out the invoices that I think you're sending out, then, uh, we'd love to help you out there. And I talked about this yesterday, but Bobby and I uh, finally got our, our business. Before that, it was just a joint venture. Now we have money with friends, the business. We need a business account. So we went to Joust. And uh, like I said yesterday, George, I've never applied for a bank account with two with my thumbs. And uh, it was amazingly fa- It's the fastest thing. I didn't have some uh, sales rep at a bank trying to sell me every single ancillary product as well. And when I had one tiny hiccup at the very end was I was funding the account and it ended up being user on my part. The uh, Lance from your team was there in seconds. I mean, was there very quickly to help out and uh, great smooth process. So thanks for everything, George. We are happy to help. I'm glad to have you as a customer. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, coming up tomorrow, more from Bobby and I. Hopefully, we'll have some some better news. Uh, on behalf of George, I'm Joe. We'll see you tomorrow back here at Money with Friends. Bye-bye. Bye. This show is created and hosted by Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2020. Ryan Sini and Nicole Thornhill from Pro Podcast Solutions engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be a part of the show. As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or other video or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends. Money with Friends.